0: Morning, everyone. Hey, let's welcome Dale McMillan, all right? Give him a big welcome. Uh, How many of you here know Dale? You were here when Dale was youth pastor. Uh, Dale came on staff here about 2003 and uh, was our youth pastor for a good seven years, and then another um, couple years as a worship leader. And youth pastor uh, for a while, both. Awesome to have you here, Dale.
1: It's awesome to be here. It's amazing to see how this place has changed so much. There are like some crazy young people running around this place. (laughs) And that guy who was up here doing the announcements, he was talking to me about his wife. I was like, what is going on around here? (laughs) So anyway.
0: How old was Will when you came here, do you think?
1: I think 14. Yeah. Does that sound right? He came to me one time and said, hey, is there a guitar that the church has that I can use to start a rock band? I was like, (laughs) sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, that was my first memory so of So you
0: were behind that. I, I was, yes. Yeah, that rock band. Your garage got loud, <laughs> I know. Oh, I'm man. sorry. They practiced. Will and Luke had a one of the scream bands, and they practiced in our garage.
1: They were awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Lori and I just kept telling ourselves, it's just a phase. It's just a phase. This will end. Now I know who's really to blame for that. Yeah, sorry. Hey, uh, we as a church sent... Dale and his wife, Wendy. Is Wendy here right now? She's right there. Is, uh, here's Wendy. Everyone welcome Wendy. Yeah. Uh, in the vineyard, if you're going to plant a church, you have to have a sending church. That's kind of like a sponsor of someone that bonifies you. And uh, we, were, we, we were privileged to be Dale and Wendy's sending pastors. Uh, they went to Frisco, Texas, two and a half years ago to plant a vineyard church. And along with them, uh, Jacob and Stephanie, Harold went, and uh, Jacob was here a whole month or so ago. Jacob and Steph, and if you remember, Jacob led worship there. They are with Dale and Wendy. And um, yeah, it's just so awesome to have you here. Elisa and Max
1: are somewhere in the building, I'm sure. They are. I think Elisa. Elisa, can you stand up on the chair? Stand up, baby, and wave. Hi, Elisa. <laughs> <laughs> I think Max is with the kiddos.
0: All right. He doesn't sit still well. Hey, um, Dale, so tell us, what is planting a church, and how do you do it? No, 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 first, I want to hear, how did God lead you from here to there? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, um, Van informed me that my time here was done. No, that's not how I started. (laughs) Um, (laughs) God did. (laughs) Um, You know, there was a point where God was, I was doing Vineyard Leadership Institute here at the church, and, as I was going through that, I felt like God was dealing with my heart about planting a church. And we went to a vineyard conference where Bert Wagner was speaking, who, if you don't know, was at one time the leader of the vineyard, the last leader of the vineyard before uh, Phil Straub. But um, he, I went down to receive prayer and it just so, you know, I didn't try to go to him. It just so happened that he was there and he came up to me and he just kind of prophesied over me. And he said, I feel like you're supposed to plant a church. And I was like, oh boy, this is getting real now. And. And, uh, as I was walking away, he just kind of off the cuff said, Oh yeah. And by the way, we need churches in Texas. And I was like, okay, my (laughs) wife's from Texas. If you don't know that. And, and so I just began to pray, God, what do you want me to do? And, uh, there was like this period of time where I got frustrated. I actually called the area pastor of the vineyard down in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex and said, Hey, you know, I need to talk to you. I'm feeling like maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. Uh, I've gotten to know Bob Oliver is his name since then, and uh, he, he, he has a lot to do. And so he didn't call me back. All right. So I called him then. He didn't call me back. And about a month went by and I started getting really frustrated. And, and so I just started going, OK, that's it. I'm, we're planting a church in Texas. And if you don't know Jacob and Stephanie, they went with us. They were here also, but um, so a lot of you guys know them. There was a point where I said to them, this is so funny. I said, you know, I said, that's it. We're going to plant a church in Cincinnati like that. And they looked at us and said, oh, okay. <laughs> we thought you were going to plant a church in Texas and we were going to go with you. And I was like, what? We went to bed that night and I said to Wendy, I said, did you hear what they said? Those crazy people. <laughs> 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 and, And so um, I just kept praying, and I had called Bob, and and I just got frustrated, you know, right? I got impatient, and so I just said, okay, that's it. I'm planting a church in Cincinnati. Because like in my natural mind, right, where we tend to live instead of thinking about the kingdom— I'm like, I'm just making the decision. This seems, this seems right, right? I live in Cincinnati. This is where I'm going to plant a church. And and, and you had contacted the area rep down there. He never got back with you. Exactly. And so a month had gone by and I had a meeting set up with van to sit down and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. So I had determined in my heart, I'm going to go, that's it. I'm going in and tell van I'm planting in Cincinnati. So a month since I called this guy, I'm walking up to van's office right there in that office. And I'm about to put my hand on the door knob and my phone rings. A month later, and it it was it was Bob Oliver, <laughs> and Van was busy, so I went out and and talked to him in the parking lot, and he's like, "Oh, Dale, you got to come down here. We'll pray. We'll drive around." Uh, long story short, that was just one of the many confirmations that God used, you know, just timely things that God does to show me this is what you're supposed to do, and and so that was really what led us to Frisco. They. Mm-hmm. You know, as we went to the d f w Metroplex, they said if we could plant one anywhere it 'd be frisco so that 's where we that's where we 're at
0: that's awesome man that's a cool story and and what you're what you 're telling us you, you had prophetic uh some prophetic direction you had something in your heart yeah. you were looking for where you could actually move ahead, and it appeared this door's closed, so you're you're going to move ahead and you know one of the things i 've heard said is it 's hard to steer. A, a car or a truck that's sitting still And so Dale's moving ahead And then God says no This is where I want you
1: Yeah and and I encourage you You know I know there's at least one person Out there like me that's impatient Waiting on God Come on God I'm ready to go What do you want me to do And I just encourage you when you get out there in the wilderness You know and you're waiting to hear from him Wait Because we can jump And we can miss it but God he'll speak and if you wait on him he'll give you the right plan and I promise you it'll be amazing. So Awesome man, tell us more about that plan. I mean, what did you do when you
0: go into a city where you know like one other person? Uh, h- how do you make contacts? How do you start a church? Tell us about that. It's
1: easy, really. <laughs> <laughs> and so You're a liar. I know I'm a big liar. <laughs> You know, uh, that was the big thing, right? I mean, that was the daunting thing when I was here in Cincinnati thinking, I don't know anybody in Texas. That's why my natural mind thought, well, let's plant in Cincinnati, right? I know people here. There's people that'll help us. And, and so going down, I was like, I don't know anyone. And so, um, we started a Facebook page that was called Frisco vineyard church plant. And I threw up a makeshift a makeshift website that was really awful, but you know, I, I was the guy doing everything at that point. And since then, Jacobs made it look great, but you know, uh, I did that. And by the time we got there, people were calling us and uh, you know, it, it was amazing because when we got there, I, I said to Wendy, I said, All right, look, we're going to, we got there in July. So we're going to take the month of August off. We're just going to go hang out with family. We'll get started on September 1st. That'll be the day we start. That's going to be our first interest meeting is what we called it. And so literally I was telling God my plan again, right? God, this is how we're going to do it. And August 1st, no lie. August 1st, a family calls us and says, you guys are starting to vineyard church in Frisco. Can you come to our house for dinner tonight? I'm like, I, how do you say no? Right. I like at the point. <laughs> yes. Yes. We'll come. And so we go and no lie, their whole living room is filled with music equipment because they're all worship leaders and musicians. And I'm just going, God, you're so amazing. And I mean, there's been thing like that right after the other of God, just lining stuff up. And so when we got there, people started calling us. And so instead of starting on September 1st, on September 1st, we had 40 people at our interest Mm -hmm. meeting, just people that found us. And so it was just, it was crazy. That's awesome, man. And, and yeah,
0: isn't that cool? And the way God connects the dots in the kingdom, one of the first people that connected with Dale was uh, mentored by one of my key mentors in life, Happy Layman. And so he and Dale are talking, and Dale says, where, where Lori and I came from in the vineyard was the Champagne Vineyard with Happy. And this guy gets on the phone with Happy immediately. I mean, how, how did that happen?
1: That, yeah, it was... Uh, when I went down for a visit, um, this crazy guy named Gordon Taylor comes running across the room. He's like, "Man, I've been praying for three years for God to send a Vineyard Church planner to Frisco," and I'm like, "Let's see. I've been fighting with this decision for three years. Thanks a lot." <laughs> uh, so it was pretty funny. But we actually uh, come to find out that Va- that he was actually in one of Van's That's life true. groups at his house. Yeah. Uh, way, way back, you know, champagne, hundreds of years ago. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, he was in Vans life group. And, and, uh, I mean, just what a great connection. It's so funny how God just puts stuff together. Yeah. That's so awesome. Isn't it? Yeah. So how are
0: things going? What's, um, how many people do you have? Uh, you know, what's God doing? Just, Just talk with, talk to us about that whole end of things.
1: Well, first I have to say one thing and, and all weekend, I knew I was going to do this and I did a little bit the last night, but, um, do you guys know that you have an amazing pastor? I listen, I know that he hates this so bad, but I'm going to do it anyway, because (laughs) I, I I honestly it an honor and a privilege and one of the greatest, actually the greatest learning experiences of my life sitting under Van Cochran. Mm. And I, I mean, I'm serious. I mean, Mm. people come and go to churches. I'm telling you, this is a great church. This is a great church. No church is perfect. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I know because I lead one. (laughs) And and so I'm telling you, man, I consider it an absolute honor as I'm becoming a pastor. And as I'm dealing with people and, and understanding how to be patient and merciful, I realize that I learned it from this guy. Mm. And, and I mean, the thing that drew me to this place was how real he was Mm. and how real this place was. And so I'll stop there, but I, you know, I I love you van so much and you're my pastor Mm. and everybody down there knows it. when I talk about my Mm. pastor, that's Mm. you. And thanks
0: still. Thank thank you you for, I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thanks. Uh, Love you too. Love you too.
1: I told Wendy after, you know, after two years, I was like, I just want to go back to Van and go, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry if I was ever hard to deal with because, man, this is the hardest job ever. Oh, wow. Uh, Well,
0: yeah. yeah, I I did want to share with you. Thanks, Dale, for those kind words. I mean, that's uh, more than, uh, well, at any rate, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When Dale calls me with an issue... Nine times out of ten, he knows the answer. He just needs someone to listen and say, yeah, that's the right thing to do. But.
1: That's three times
0: you've lied this weekend. This is the third time. <laughs> okay, okay. We pastors do that, don't we? Exactly we do. Yeah. Stretch the truth. Yeah. Okay, eight times out of ten, he knows the answer. But um, one of the questions I always ask him is, what's Wendy telling you to do? Yeah. Because really, literally, nine times out of ten, that's the right thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> yes. and, and I wanted to share with you, too, uh, we thought about having Dale speak this weekend, but this is a vacation for him. And, uh, and I know I've been asked to speak when I've been on vacation, and it kind of like nullifies the vacation, because the whole time you're thinking about your message that weekend, and so as we work through that, I just thought it's going to be more relaxing for Dale and better for all of us. Just the the two of us sit up here and let Dale, and he'll preach a little before he's done here, I'm sure. Anyway, but uh, um, so so Dale, tell us about the church. What's happening and you know, how it's going.
1: One of the cool things that's happening right now is we've started our doing the stuff class, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, uh, it's so exciting to, you know, I learned that here as well. You know, I learned so many things here and, um, we're starting our doing the stuff class and, and in conjunction with that, I had a guy come to me and say, Hey, I want to set up a prayer tent in the parking lot. I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, <clears> I just <throat> want to put this, this tent out here, like a pop-up canopy and just put signs on the side of it that say need prayer. And I'm like, Okay. the pastor, the doubter, and I'm like, well, all right. And, and so literally what we've gotten to is they have cards about the church in their back pocket. There's no logo on the tent. This is just, if you need prayer, stop by and get prayer. We don't say anything about the church unless they ask. And so it keeps it very non-threatening. And what I'm finding out is there are tons of people that want prayer. Um, I, I I hate it, but I went home to Wendy and I was like, Wendy, who's, who's going to come to our parking lot? Like just come up and want prayer. I know we've literally had lines of people at this tent to -hmm. get prayer. It's been unbelievable. Mm -hmm. We have crazy wind in Texas. And I remember looking out one week from the church window and literally the guy that's running the tent has a hand on the leg of the tent (laughs) and a hand on a lady praying for her. (laughs) <laughs> to keep the tent from taking off, right? The 28th of February, we we had some really freezing cold weather. It was 28. And, uh, and, and believe it or not, we got some ice and snow. And in Texas, you know, the plan for clearing the streets is let it melt. And literally, I'm not exaggerating. I'm like, this place is paralyzed. You know what I mean? It was crazy. Um, and so... Literally, we were talking about whether or not to cancel church because a lot of churches in town were. And I'm like, come on, let's do it. And I'm glad we did because when we showed up there at three, he is sitting under the tent praying for people. We have people in our church just running the tent. And I'm like, I'm glad we didn't cancel church. We'd have looked really bad. <laughs> <laughs> but in conjunction with our doing the stuff class, we're saying, okay, you're learning this here. Now, now let's, let's make application. Let's do this thing. And we're having people go from there right out to the tent and just pray for people. And, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, that's one of the things I'm learning, man, is, is that people really just want prayer. And if you can do it in a non-threatening way, you know, if you can just walk up to someone, anyone you know, someone in the mall, and just say, hey, can I pray for you? Don't mm-hmm. attach church to it. Don't attach this big, huge thing to it. Just yeah. be who you are in God. Our mind has to be on the kingdom, right? Um, here, just real quick. <laughs> Last week, I was preaching to our church. You know, Jesus, when he was in front of Pilate, he said to Pilate, okay, the Pharisees threw him in front of, uh, they threw Jesus in front of Pilate and Pilate said, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus looked at him and said, is that your own idea or has somebody else been talking to you about me? Mm -hmm. And so what Jesus was always doing was challenging us to have our mind in the place of the kingdom. And that's what he was doing to Pilate. Are you... Are you thinking about this or is, are you just doing something that somebody else talked to you about? And so as we keep our mind on the kingdom and we step out and do the stuff, we do the things that Jesus has called us to do. His power is with us and he'll do it through us. So,
0: That's awesome, Dale. Anyway. That's awesome. Risk. You're, you're a risk taker and you're talking to us about risk. Yeah. Tell us about, like you said, you're standing in the building. Tell us about how buildings have worked for you as a church plant. You I mean, you don't start off with a building.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we started out meeting in a theater, and uh, it was interesting. It was $3,000 a month. We got it for five hours on Sunday morning. When we were done, they were like, okay, go. <laughs> they didn't want to see us, hear from us. We even had people coming in to go to the movies, which actually was great because we would talk to them, and we'd offer them coffee and So that worked out great, but it was really challenging for children and things like that. It was really challenging the week that I went down and saw my brother's daughter pointing at a cockroach as it walked across the floor. It's like, (laughs) we have to do something about this. Theater floors are not really known to be clean. Pop syrup and all that stuff. And so it, it was challenging in a lot of ways. It was great for the adults and it was expensive. And so we were having our first baptism service. And so I called, first guy I called that has a church. He says, yeah, you can use our church just a kingdom minded guy. Great guy. Mm-hmm. Got to know him. And he just says to me one time, we're out to lunch. He says, man, why don't you guys meet in our building on Saturday night? You don't have to give us nothing. I'm like, wow. nothing sounds good. that's <laughs> awesome.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, so we did we in October, uh, after praying a lot and just thinking it through, we transitioned into this building on Saturday nights and it's become just an amazing thing. It's kind of a, you know, it's kind of against the culture kind of thing, but I think people like it because it's different. And uh we've been growing on Saturday night. We created we created these little SE cards, our servant evangelism cards, to kind of kind of as a way to get people's attention. We put a picture on the front of it of little feet at the end of the bed hanging out of the covers, right? Mom and dad and two little sets of feet. And it says bedheads rejoice. And you flip it over, and it says, if you'd like to sleep in on Sunday morning, <laughs> join us on Saturday night. So, you know, just a fun way to get people's attention. And it's actually, I mean, it's been really awesome on Saturday night in that's this building. Awesome.
0: That's awesome. So you're growing on Saturday nights. We really are, yeah. That's, that's awesome, Dale. Um, what are you learning? Let's, let's, uh, let's end with that. Tell us, or, or, or this. Um, I, this thought just came to me. I should let you ask a question. Who has a question? Stand up, identify yourself, and ask your question. (laughs) Anybody?
1: Man, this is going to be rough.
0: Okay, so you had the chance. That's all right. (laughs)
1: I'll tell you about Max and Elisa.
0: Tell us. Yeah, how's the family doing? Family's
1: family's doing great. Uh, Max Max just started baseball. We tried soccer. He's like, nah, I want to play baseball. How old's Max? Max is six. Yeah. And so he's going to start baseball this this season. And then um, Elisa... It loves horses, and I've tried really hard to help her find something that's less expensive, but <laughs> uh, it's not working. So, she loves horses, and, and she's had a few riding lessons just from a Groupon that I found. <laughs> and, and so, it's you know, the kids are, are growing up, they're going to a great elementary school that's close to us, and Wendy's doing good. We. Because of the transition that we had into this building, we had a big, uh, it freed up a whole bunch of finances in the church's uh, budget. And, uh, Wendy was kind of, she was the breadwinner while I was planting the church and taking care of the kids. And so we had this amazing shift in, in the last couple months because, uh, well, her blood pressure got high because it was so stressful. And so the elders of our church, we kind of got together and they said, look, we want to, we want to use this money to pay you full time. and We want her to come home.
0: Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I mean, praise God.
1: Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. That's been, that's been like just an unbelievable change for us. She's at home with the kids and she helps me now administratively. I mean, I didn't really need it because I'm really organized, but <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a good thing anyway.
0: <laughs> mm. Awesome. Awesome. So. Those of you that knew Dale, um, uh, we just wanted this to be a blessing to you. Those of you that didn't, we want you to know them because uh, they are our church plant uh, out, out of this church. If, if you want to give, if you feel led to give to support the Frisco Vineyard, just note that Frisco Vineyard on your envelope. Uh, anybody want, wants to give to Elisa's horse fund? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Please. I think you're probably going to have to do that directly yeah. to them. But uh, we love you and are just so so proud of you, Dale, and so happy to be part of what God's doing Thank
1: you. through you. Thank you very much. This is a great church. Yeah. Yes. You're planting that, a great church,
0: man. We're going to pray for Dale and Wendy. Now, If Wendy, if you'd come on down, and Elisa, too, right down here to the front. And then anybody that uh, you feel attached to Dale or Wendy or just hearing their story, you want to come up and uh, lay hands on them. Let's have a dozen people come on up. Why don't you guys step out there a little bit further. So, Yeah, and uh, just gather around them and let's bless them Dave our executive pastor is going to pray for them right now so Lord we just bless what you're doing and Dale and Wendy and their family Mm -hmm. we just bless the lives that they're touching we bless the work of the Frisco Vineyard and Lord we just say more Just more healings, more prophetic words, more evangelism, more provision. Just more increase just throughout the entire leadership and just the the vision of the church, God, that people would just catch what you're doing and that they would just flow with that. Lord, I pray for just fresh momentum, the momentum of of your spirit. Holy Spirit, come and just uh, continue to just drive forward. the kingdom. Just kingdom come and Frisco. Just bless them. And as Dave was just praying, as soon as he said the word, just more evangelism, that word was just really highlighted to me. And I just felt like God's going to give you guys a lot of creative ways to do evangelism, mm-hmm. just like that tent. But even just you really Dale. I think you have a lot of creative ideas and a really good idea of Non threatening evangelism and stuff. So I just released Mm -hmm. that new ideas, new strategies that will take the whole area and that'll even be transferable to other churches. I feel like other churches will learn stuff from you guys and start using it. So yeah, just bless their kingdom perspective. Dale, as I was looking at you and Wendy, I just saw you all, you both of you on fire, like (laughs) flames. And I feel like God is using you to start fires in Texas and that it's going to spread and be contagious, and God's going to do a mighty work in mm-hmm. the area that you're in. That's awesome. And, um, I, you know, I, I just have the word risk for you. You're risk takers. And uh, Texas is known as a, a land that was settled by risk takers. And God's going to bring you thousands of risk takers, crazy risk takers that are going to just cause the kingdom to explode. And so. We just bless that, Lord. I bless that anointing to attract other risk-takers who are going to step out and and walk in faith and see the kingdom come in real power. We bless you guys. Jim.
1: And, Dale, as
0: we were praying, I had a sense that when you're building, uh, building a house, that Uh, there's a lot of digging and there's a lot of stuff that goes on beneath the
1: surface and there's foundations being laid and there's work and there's utilities being put in and all of that before anybody can really see anything. Mm -hmm. And you've been pouring yourself into this building and and foundation and it's getting stronger. It's getting wider. It's getting deeper. And uh, eventually it's going to be something
0: that's going to be amazing that the, the world will see. But all of that, is uh, all that's being prepared right now by what you're doing. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Hey, isn't that awesome? Uh, awesome to hear and, and to be a part of something that goes beyond us and that is risky. I mean, how many people here have moved two-thirds of the way across the country not knowing how you were going to support yourself or your family? And you're doing it because Jesus, I mean, yeah, there, there are people here who have done that. And that's kind of like the level of risk. That's kind of like the low water mark right now for us. Uh, that, that's what we all want to aspire to, is to just be willing to take the risk and to step out and trust God. Um, what I want to do right now, is just for a few moments, is introduce the messages that we're going to have on Palm Sunday and Easter. And what I'm going to do on those two weeks is talk about hope and uh, Christian hope particularly... And and what it actually is and what it means, and uh, th- this really came to me because last weekend uh, our whole family traveled to Albuquerque, New Mexico, and, and uh, uh, f- for my daughter's wedding, and so I got to do the wedding. And uh, Emily and Zach are married now, so uh, let's all they they listen to the podcast. So I'm not sure if they'll hear this one or the 9:31, but let's just tell them congratulations. Okay, yeah. Doing the wedding uh, for your own child is a little different than the norm because you know typically as a pastor you have three or four different things you'll do in weddings and you you nuance that all to the individuality of the couple that you're working with. But with your own child you want to you want to have something that is 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 different and memorable and really particular. And I got that on the flight there. I, I was reading a book about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And uh, Bonhoeffer, if you want to read a good biography, it's just simply called Bonhoeffer. It's by a guy named Eric Metaxas. And uh, in, in this book, I just happened to, uh, on the flight, come to the section where he talked about marriage and engagement. And he said that engagement and marriage are a sign of hope. That engagement and marriage are really, on the part of that couple, it's a statement of Christian hope. Now, that, that might seem like it's not that profound a statement to make. But if you understand the times that Bonhoeffer lived in, if you understand the chapters I had just read prior to this chapter, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German theologian and pastor. And uh, he he rose to his maturity in the 30s and 40s in Germany. It was world-traveled, but uh, his focus and his heart were in Germany. And in the 30s, he saw the rise of Nazism. And he saw the rise of Adolf Hitler to power. And he had the insight to recognize very early on the evil that it was perpetrating. And, and as that developed and became more and more uh, just saturating uh, the whole culture and impacting not only their entire nation, but all of Europe and millions of people losing their lives simply because of their ethnic or racial background, uh, Bonhoeffer um, came to a place where wrestling through in his conscience, he actually became part of a plot to assassinate Hitler. And because of that, He was arrested, spent two years in uh, prison, and just two weeks before uh, the war ended, he was executed. Now, Bonhoeffer, a month or so before he was arrested, became engaged to a young woman... And the family that, uh, he, that, of, of this young woman didn't want to announce it publicly because there were a lot of people during those days that said be, becoming engaged, getting married is a foolish thing to do because of all of the turmoil and the insanity in our culture right now. How do you even know you're going to be alive? And he had been uh, kind of uh, at the forefront of a lot of things in, in the nation. And so he was, you know, he, was, he was in a place of constant risk. And yet they became engaged, and, and but they kept it secret. And then a month after he had been arrested, the family of this young woman decided, we need to make this public. And so they made it public that, uh, that Dietrich Bonhoeffer and their daughter had become engaged. Now that was a statement of hope right there, wasn't it? Uh, they didn't know the end of the story, but they, there was hope. And Bonhoeffer, upon hearing of a friend of his, who had become engaged in light of the times, in light of the insanity all around them. Bonhoeffer wrote a letter, and in that letter he talked about marriage, and that's where he made, uh, exp- expressed these thoughts, that becoming engaged, getting married, especially in times of intense trouble and difficulty like they were facing on such a broad scale, especially in those times, it is a statement of hope. Hope in Christ. Now, when, when you say that, we need to begin to understand what is hope and why is hope so important. And that's my only thought for you today. And then the next two weeks, we're going we're gonna to take this and we're going to expand it and look at it more fully. In fact, I think it will be a great couple of weeks to invite friends because we're just really going to focus on the fact that God is good and God loves us. And we can have hope, we can live with with real hope uh, for the future, even today, any anytime a couple becomes engaged or married, what they 're saying is there 's a future and and Jesus is in the future, and we 're going to move into the future with jesus and so there 's hope, and it is an expression of hope and Just to define hope real briefly for you, I would say that hope is simply a confident expectation of a good future with Christ. It is a confident expectation of a good future with Christ. Now, it's not just a happy feeling you get. It's not just like you, you sit and daydream about the future and think, oh, someday I'll have this job or, or maybe, you know, maybe this will happen and then I'll be really happy or I'll meet this perfect person. It's, it's not the feeling you get from daydreaming, okay? Uh, you, you know what that's called is buying a lottery ticket <laughs> and, and just wishing. And, and neither is Christian hope is not based upon our bank accounts, It's not based upon the plans we have or the skill set we have. It's not like saying, well, I have such great skills. I know whatever happens in the future, I'll be able to find work, and I'll always be... No, it's not that at all. What Christian hope is, it is based upon our relationship with the living God. In 1 Timothy 4, uh, just a very simple statement about hope, and it's it's really key to this short series we're going to be doing. But uh, he said, we've put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Now, what that means is Jesus died for the whole world, and those that turn to him in belief really experience the benefits and blessing of forgiveness and regeneration and relationship uh, with Christ. But Our hope is in the living God, in a living relationship that we have with him, so that as we look to the future, we are looking to a divinely provided future. It's not me. It's not the culture. It's not my background or or the other people around me. It is a divinely provided future. It's a future based on my current relationship with a supernatural God this supernatural being who is involved in my life and who is working in my life today. In Romans uh, fifteen thirteen, it says real simply, May the God of hope... See, God's identified as the God of hope. He's all about hope. The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope hope. Now I want you to see, he's praying here that God fills us with joy and peace in believing. That's today. That is today. We walk in joy and peace today because Jesus is in our lives. You see, our confidence about life, our peace about life isn't dependent on our circumstances. I might be in what I would consider to be great circumstances just life-wise, but if I don't have Jesus, if I'm not walking in an intimate relationship with Him, then I have nothing. I'm I'm not going to have peace, I'm not going to walk in joy, and I'm not going to have hope. But even if I'm in the midst of what I would consider to be horrible circumstances, I'm walking in an intimate, close, daily relationship with Jesus, He's pouring His peace and His joy into me, And I'm going to live with hope. Here's how that works. It's as simple as this. Jesus is with me today, giving me peace and joy. He is the center of my life. He is the reason I have peace and joy. And he said, I'll never leave you and I will never forsake you. Hebrews 13, 5, I'll never leave you. In fact, he says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And so he's with me now. He's the center of my life in good times or bad. He's my joy and my peace right now. And he's going to be with me tomorrow. And he's going to be with me day after tomorrow. He's going to be with me next week, next month, next year, five years, ten years. And it doesn't make any difference. There will be hardship. There will be pain. There will be difficulty in the future. But Jesus is with me. He's with me now. I'm experiencing His presence, and He's going to stay with me. And that's our hope. Our hope is that whatever, whatever, I'm going to walk in peace, and I'm going to be able to fulfill God's will in my life. He has a purpose for me. He has a place for me. He has power to fill me so that I can continue to walk in this joy and this hope and this peace. Now, uh, Bonhoeffer, at the end, um, uh, shortly before uh, the war was over and all the confusion uh, they kind of misplaced him. They accidentally sent him with a group of other prisoners and and he was there, there were generals and admirals and aristocrats and all sorts of people that were imprisoned with Bonhoeffer, who had uh, also resisted the Nazi regime and They lumped him in with a group of those and sent him off to this little little uh, makeshift jail uh, out in the country. And, uh, and and he's, he kind of caught on to the fact that they had lost track of him but one day just two weeks before the war ended as I said two men showed up in suits and they walked in and they said you need to read the book okay <laughs> but they walked in and they said, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, come with us. And everyone knew they were Gestapo, everyone knew this was the end. And as he as he left, he leaned over to one man there and he said, This is the end, meaning, okay, they've got me, but it's the beginning of life for me. Is that good? <laughs> yeah. It's the end, but it's the beginning of life. Now how could he say that? How could he walk to the gallows with that type of peace and confidence and even the jailer who had over who had supervised hundreds of executions didn't know it was Bonhoeffer at the time but later when he found out it was and learned who he was he said I'd never out of the hundreds I'd never seen another man go to his death like that. How did he do that? Read the book, okay? He had an intimate daily relationship with Jesus. He was walking in the peace and joy of the Holy Spirit every day. And here's the thing, and this will stress this. If you have Jesus, you have hope. You don't have to ask God for hope. Don't ask God for hope, okay? Ask God for insight. Ask Him for revelation to understand the hope. Ask Him for strength just to rely on the hope. Ask Him for filling of the Holy Spirit to produce that joy and peace today that we know we're going to have in the future no matter what. That's our hope right there. Okay, that's what we're going to talk about the next couple weeks, so I'm looking forward to it. And uh, we're gonna, I'm going to invite the worship team to come out right now. But um, this, this whole message is about us walking in intimacy with Him. That, that's what, where hope comes from, me walking in intimacy with Him, uh, allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal it to me, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal it to me, and and then walking in that hope, walking in the joy and the peace today that I know I will have tomorrow, because He's going to be with me then, too. So let's all stand, okay? And um, I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to go into our, our worship time. And you're welcome to come down to the front and worship. In fact, I encourage it. Um, You know, uh, we've had messages on this, but when I stand and go through a season where I have my hands in my pockets and I'm afraid if someone sees me pull my hands out, they'll think I'm some crazy charismatic or I'm radical or worse than that, people will look at me and think, oh, he's faking. He's not really sincere. But when, when I take the risk of just pulling my hands out of my pockets and just raising them up like that, just to God, he's worth it. There's something that happens. It, it, then when, it, when, when I, when I may be at a moment, not when I'm excited emotionally, but I'm just experiencing God's presence and I make a decision, I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to say, you are worthy of my worship. You're worthy. You're more worthy than, than, than you are worthy of my worship. There's some freedom that comes. And I believe the same freedom comes when I step out of my seat and walk down to the front and worship. Because there's just something about, about, the, about us humbling ourselves that releases us into a new level of intimacy with God. So come on down front and worship. And uh, Father, we thank you for being with us. Uh, we thank you for others who have walked this path ahead of us, uh, like Bonhoeffer and thousands of others over the centuries. Uh, we want to walk in your joy and in your peace And we want to experience the full hope that we have in Christ. So we look to you now. We just worship you. We worship you. You are worthy of our worship.